Good evening, everybody. Welcome into To The Point. We're all doing well on this Tuesday, January the 2nd. What a day. <laughs> it was quarterfinal Tuesday at the World Junior Hockey Championships. And if you missed it, come here for your recap because I caught the games. And it there was a lot of craziness, a lot of unpredictability, you think you know what's going to happen, and it goes another way, goal after goal. It was a great day of hockey. One game was not competitive. Three were. Three were all one-goal games. And you get seeds upsetting favorites. You get a wacky playoff seeding, which they're reseeding now for the semifinals, which I love. They did not do that in the past at the World Juniors. So... We're going to get to all of it. Also in the podcast, we're talking college football last night. Uh, I'm, I don't sleep a whole lot. I've documented this with you all on the podcast. I struggle with sleep. I try to get, you know, three hours, three, four hours a night normally. And I can function fine with that because I've just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm used to it. But a college football game ending after 1 o'clock in the morning, that was not ideal for the early wake-up this morning. you got to put the work in. you got to go you know, lift some stuff and put it down this morning. So I had to go do that. But a kickoff after 10 p.m. Atlantic time just doesn't seem smart. When you have all day, you could put it on when there's bowl games in the afternoon that were not competitive with Tennessee and Iowa, gross. Bo Nix playing for Oregon for some reason, dominating Liberty and LSU and Wisconsin was close, but nobody was really keeping track of that game. So there's no reason for that late of a kickoff. No, It, it hurts your audience, but both games were great. We're going to talk about them. Also get into the Knicks-Raptors trade that took place this past weekend. The Raptors won their first game with their new players last night. The Knicks won their first game with their new players Monday afternoon against the very game Minnesota Timberwolves. So good starts for those respective clubs. We also got a big night in the National Hockey League. So lots to get to today. But let's begin with Team Canada who entered today's game as a heavy favorite against Team Czechia. It was a rematch of last year's gold medal game in Halifax, where Dylan Gunther scored the golden goal. Czechia was a team that was kind of a team of destiny. They beat the Canadians on Boxing Day, won their group, beat Sweden in overtime in the semifinal, and nearly beat Canada in overtime three-on-three. And I made the point, it going to three-on-three, as soon as it goes to overtime, I hate that. I think it's stupid. And I think it it hurts a lot of these smaller countries that don't have as much skill on the bigger ice. But nobody listens to me. Nevertheless, Czechia put up a hell of a fight. They lost a lot of great players, including David Juracek, who's playing in the National Hockey League right now. Sladislav Fosel, who was the captain of the team. They had five returning players from last year's team that won a silver medal in Halifax. 
Canada obviously only has one returning player in Owen Beck. And I was out watching the college football semifinals with you know one of my best friends last night, and we're talking about the game, and we both kind of agreed I wouldn't be surprised if Canada lost tomorrow. That was my sentiment from the beginning. I even talked about that yesterday. I didn't I thought they'd win, but I didn't have overwhelming confidence that they would. They had not played great hockey through the first four games. They didn't shoot enough pucks on net. They were a little too fancy, and I thought their best players weren't producing. And it caught up with them today. Because in the grand scheme of things, should Canada be playing in the semifinal on Thursday? Sure. Were they the better team than Czechia? Yes. But they were awful in the first 20 minutes. And that 20 minutes came back to bite them. If they play halfway decent, I think they score a goal in the first period and they win the game 3-2, maybe 4-2 with an empty netter. But in the first 20 minutes, they were completely flat. They had no jump. They had no legs. And their goalie did not come prepared to play as well either. He let Stancil come into the own zone. He's barely past, you know, the blue line. And he rips it home. It's a shot that was, it was a great shot. Don't get me wrong. Fantastic shot, but it has to be a save every day of the week. There's no traffic. There's no deflection. There's nothing. He sees the puck. He has a bad read on it. He doesn't find himself in the net, and it beats him clean. It didn't help that Noah Warren, my namesake, took a horrible lane to the puck, that he created this odd man rush for Czechia. But there was no threat of a pass. It was a shot all the way, and it was a bad goal, period. Canada continued to have no legs. Czechia's controlling the play. The puck gets back to the point. They shoot. They uh, get a puck through. There's a screen because that's how teams have been scoring on Matisse Rousseau all tournament long. Again, he doesn't have his stick between his legs. That's goaltending 101. It's not a hard shot. There's no deflection. Has to be a save. And it beats him. It was a long shift. Canada was tired. <coughs> Pardon me. I get that. But it, there has to be a save. They have no momentum. They don't they don't feel it. They have nothing going for them. You need to the goalie needs to pull out a save there and build the momentum back, but he did. So two for horrible first period and two horrible goals against for Canada. The rest of the game they carried the play. Czechia was lucky to exit the second period being tied 2-2. Canada had some great opportunities, and really it started with Owen Beck. You might look at his stat line and say he didn't have a great tournament. I don't know if he's ever going to be an NHLer, but I thought Owen Beck was a really important player on this team. There was a play where Russo made a great save on Shapovalov in front. Huge save, five-hole. If it was 3 nothing, game could have completely flipped. But after that save, again, is another bad shift for Canada. 
Owen Beck comes out, throws two hits, creates two turnovers, and they have a shift of over one minute in the offensive zone. He set a tone with Nate Danielson, who was productive the entire tournament, and the game flipped like that. The next shift, Czechia, a little disoriented, bad change. Quick up the ice, nice play by Easton Cowan, the Toronto Maple Leaf first rounder, to find Matthew Wood, who rips it over the blocker to make it a 2-1 hockey game. Beautiful shot. Not too long after, another Canada goal where they're just constantly in the offensive zone. They have control, they have control, they have control. And it was just a matter of time. Harabal, who plays at UMass, was very good, making some big saves. But eventually, Jake Furlong gets a shot from the point. Quatra is in front. And Furlong scores, the Halifax Mooseheads captain. And you go through the rest of the game. Canada is leading in the shot department. They're more physical. They're controlling the play. But I thought Czechia did a good job in the third period of limiting high-danger scoring chances. But also, Canada could not finish. Matthew Savoy had a great look with about 4.46 left, and he missed the net by a foot. Poitra had some good looks. And I thought this was his best game of the tournament. He got better as the games went on. But he has to shoot the puck more in this tournament that you, you're – you're an NHL player. Come over and dominate. I thought he was too passive. This entire team was waiting to create the best play. Connor Geeky, a force. Let's make the extra pass. Let's try to go for a dangle. Shoot the puck on net. Find a way to put the puck in. That's all that matters. You don't get style points. Find a way to win the game. And it's closed. Checky is hanging on. And I'm thinking, well, we're going to go to overtime, just like the first quarterfinal, where Canada will get the advantage. Because it is three-on-three. And Canada beat Czechia last year in a three-on-three situation. Where they're faster, they have more skill. It's heavily leaned to favor these skilled teams. And before we can get there, Canada's on the end of a shift. Czechia's got the puck in a non-danger zone, and Stancil, who scored the first goal of the game, decides to throw the puck on net. It hits Oliver Bonk's shin pad and beats Rousseau. Was not Oliver Bonk's fault. Was not Rousseau's fault. It was complete. It was a carom where neither had any part of it. It was just a bad break for Team Canada. They did not have enough time. And Czechia advanced to the semifinal for the second straight year at the World Junior Hockey Championships, which is pretty impressive for that nation. And for me, for them to get there after all the players that they had last year that aren't playing here, kudos to them. But this was always going to happen with this team. I didn't expect this team to win the gold medal. I didn't see a great team. It was a collection of players. You throw together and you hope something happens. But I think we also got to look at this and go, 
Czechia is in their second straight semifinal. They have an opportunity to win a medal for the second time in you know as many years. They had one gold medal from 2005 to 2023. <laughs> 18 years, one medal. They might have two in as many years. We're seeing Slovakia, Switzerland. These teams are getting better. They're producing talent. They're being well coached. They're pumping money into their junior programs to build better hockey players, to make their nation more adequate to play with teams like Canada in the United States. Seeing Germany in relegation while teams like Latvia are not. That's impressive in and of itself from that nation to make the quarterfinal year after year after year, which they do. Canada had some bright spots. I thought Maverick uh, Lamaru, the big six foot seven defenseman, was phenomenal all tournament long. Denton Matejchuk won the player of the game today. He shouldn't. He didn't. It wasn't his best game. He had some bad reads. He gave up a lot of two on ones in particular in that first period. But I thought Ma- Maverick Lamaru showed himself to be a future NHLer. A big guy. He moves extremely well for his size. He was great. He was playing 25 minutes a night. He was great. I said, I like Beck, Danielson. I think those guys are going to be maybe NHLers, but bottom of the lineup guys. Energy players. Third liners on a great team, maybe. I'm curious to watch Poitra when he goes back to the NHL, if he goes back to the NHL. I think he wore it all tournament long. The fact that he wasn't producing like even Shane Wright did when he came back from the NHL when he played at the World Junior Hockey Championships. I think you feel pressure to be great, and I don't think Poitra was. I thought he was good. I thought it was his best game today. And he tried his best, and he, he did what he could to produce. But could he have been better? Yes. Absolutely. But he was fine, but he could have been better. Connor Geeky was out for a full game against Germany and didn't really have legs today. Savoy was banged up. Uh, Fraser Mitten had an okay tournament. Easton Cowan, I think, got better as the, as the games went on. He played okay today. Overall, I think it's a team full of very talented players. Other than Macklin Celebrini, they didn't have a, a superstar. Celebrini's legit. He was their best player from day one, and he ends their best player. Is he Connor Bedard? No. But few are. And just because you go number one overall and you're not labeled as a Connor Bedard or an Austin Matthews or a Connor McDavid doesn't mean that you're just a pigeon. Doesn't mean you're not a good hockey player. He's going to be a damn good NHLer. He can do a lot of great things with the puck. He shoots. He's got a, a great shot. Needs to learn the puck, pass the puck a little bit more. But in this tournament, I don't blame him for not passing the puck because, quite frankly, I wouldn't trust the teammate to fucking shoot the puck. Their back end, 
Like I said, Lamro, Matejchuk. Furlong played really well to me. I thought he was better than Matejchuk over the course of the tournament. He was important. He had to step play big minutes. He played with Noah Warren. I wish Warren was great. He wasn't. They're four to six defensemen. You look at Donovan, Warren, uh, Ty Nelson. They weren't guys who really played great minutes. They didn't give them a whole lot of break. They were on the ice, but they weren't good minutes when they were out there. Noah Warren had his worst game in the tournament today, unfortunately. In the biggest game. But I think Lamaru, Matejchuk, Furlong had to play a ton because the bottom of the defense players just couldn't hold the minutes. They weren't that productive. They turned the puck over too much. To me, Jake Furlong's got one goal in the QMJHL this year. That's the headline. He's only got one goal. Okay. And stats are stats. They're nice. You know, they're juicy, and there's players on bad teams that have tons of stats, and I'm sure they're happy to have them because they're on a bad team. But he's on one of the best teams in the queue in Halifax Mooseheads. He's a captain of the team. He's a drafted player. He skates well. On his goal, he had a, he put the puck through. He's got a decent little shot. Get it through a screen. Get it through skates, bodies, what have you. His biggest attribute is he can skate, and that's awesome to have at the next level. I think he's a good player. Halifax got a good one. Halifax will be gearing up to try to win a Memorial Cup again. They'll have to deal with Bakemo, who only have three losses, and it's January. But I'm sure Cam Russell and Co. down there are trying to, you know, go for it again. Try to win a Memorial Cup. And he's a big part of it. But this isn't a huge surprise. For Czechia, they advanced to the semifinal. Their goalie was great. You know, it's the old saying, bend but don't break. That's what they did. And Canada lost a game day where Yuri Kulich, who's one of the best players in the American Hockey League this year as a 19-year-old, really had no impact on the game. He was hemmed in a lot of the, a lot of the game. Didn't have a whole lot of scoring opportunities. And yet, they... They won the game because he got an assist on the second goal. But other than that, you look, Stanzel scores two goals in the game. Sabolka scores one from the point on that weird on that weird goal. And other than that, it was, you know, Shabavalov is a player I really like for Czechia. Watch for him on on Thursday. In the semifinal, I think he's a great, really intelligent player. Will never be a top-line guy. I don't think he'll be a number two center. I think he's a perfect number three center on an NHL team. He's drafted by Vegas. They they draft smart players. They know what they're doing there. Skates well. He's big. He's kind of mean. He's a good passer. He can win face-offs. He did that a ton today. 
So he's their smartest player. He might not be their best player. He's their smartest player. He's important to them. Because Kulich is vital. He's their best player. But you're not doing it without you know, your pal helping you out. And I mean, looking at, you know, Czechia's roster, Kulich has been very good. Saleh's been solid. Shabavolov's great. Stancil had a pair today. Their defense have just all been good. Galva, uh, Thomas Galvez, he's tw number 23. He just He's 17 years old. He just got added to the team. I thought he was awesome today. He shined for me. He really had a good game. First game in the tournament, big moment, and he was he was awesome. But Czechia found a way. They beat Canada. They get that revenge. And let's talk about who they're going to play in the semifinal because it's a seeding thing, right? So they're the they're the fifth seed, Czechia. After the round robin. So let's talk Sweden, Switzerland. The, for, uh, the second game of the one versus four matchups. Sweden, obviously a heavy favorite at home. Switzerland only had beaten uh, Norway in the round robin. Sweden comes out, scores two first period goals. First shot of the game is deflected. Hits Stenberg. Hits a, a defenseman in front. In the back of the net. Then Lecker Mackey, the second rounder of the Vancouver Canucks, who's been game all tournament long, rips one under the bar, makes it 2 nothing. And after that, Sweden has this tendency where they fall asleep during games. They just kind of sleepwalk through them. No jump. No, just no feel. Just kind of go through the motions. Switzerland began just not allowing them to have scoring chances. Hard on the forecheck. Having two guys back every time in their own zone. And it started to frustrate Sweden. They took a few penalties. And the game was just kind of bottled up. There's no scoring chances on either side. And you're just kind of waiting for something to happen. And then late in the second period, you're kind of going through it and go, well, Switzerland's starting to get a few more shots. They're kind of carrying the play a little bit. Reber makes a play behind the net. Nice backhand feed to Horniker in front, who's wide open. And he beats Havlid clean. This was the first goal he allowed in almost eight periods. But it makes it 2-1. to one. Switzerland's back in the game. Go the intermission. Third period is playing out exactly like the second. Sweden not getting a whole lot of opportunities. They're getting frustrated. Switzerland's playing physical hockey, not allowing Sweden to throw them around. They're chippy. They're playing with an edge. And Mealy gets a puck in front from Weber. He buries it. It's a 2-2 hockey game. All of a sudden, Switzerland is looking to pull off the upset. The rest of the period, Sweden is diving all over the ice. 
looking for a power play. The fans are whistling, and it's a it looks like a soccer game out there. By Sweet. Dive, dive, bitching at the official. Wah, wah, wah. And when you know it, a minute 58 to play, because that's the perfect time to call a penalty with a minute 58 left. Havlin makes a save, and as he makes a save, there's a Swedish defenseman, a forward for Czechia. He gives him a poke with his stick just kind of on the way by, not a spear, not a slash, nothing. And he's called initially for five minutes, a five-minute major for spearing, but then they go review it, and they change it to a two-minute minor for slashing. I was thinking about this watching this whole circumstance, and thankfully that penalty didn't cost them the game or impact the game because that would have been heartbreaking. But I wanted to make an analogy for you guys and really kind of hone in on my anger for this stupid rule. So if the logic is we want video review because we want to get every call right, we want to do everything right, which, by the way, is impossible in life. Because if you have great parents, they're still going to get things wrong. My mother's fantastic. She hasn't made many mistakes in my upbringing. Well, maybe other than having me. But beyond that, she's been a pretty damn good mother. I give her that. So is my father. But I'm sure they'll look back and go, we made mistakes. So it's impossible. Even the best of people at their job, make, the greatest doctor makes a mistake. So that whole premise is stupid and foreign and wrong. So let's start with that. But what's the analogy? Because I like analogy. I like a metaphor every once in a while. I spice things up, really make it interesting. What's the analogy that I can use? So if you get a bunch of officials who are really bad at their job, which these guys are over there, they are stupid. They're dumb. They make bad call after bad call. They call it head. They go from a major to no penalty. It's something else what these fucking idiots over in Gothenburg, Sweden are doing with the officiate. It's a tour de force of what not to do. But what's what can I say? It's like giving children power. It's like saying to little kids, okay, do what you want with the world. And we can, you can look, look ahead. You can see what's, is this right? Was this a good decision? Was it the right thing? Because children are idiots. They're stupid. I don't like kids. That's another well-documented thing. But I had to think, what is the analogy? It's like giving stupid people, I'm going to say kids, the power to do whatever the hell they want. Giving these officials the ability to go look at a monitor Slow the game down and still get the fucking call wrong. I want to explode. Because what's the point? Have somebody up there and tell us what the call is. Was it five? Was it two? Was it nothing? Or do we drop the fucking puck on the next play? This bullshit of, oh, it's a two, then it's a five, then it's nothing, makes no sense. How can these idiots on the ice call it five and then go look at a monitor of a play they watch live and say, you know what, actually there was no penalty there? 
How is that possible? That's like a kid putting his hand in the cookie jar, eating cookies, and then telling his mother, oh, there's no cookies in there. I baked the fucking batch last week, Timmy. I knew they were in there. Ugh. Officiating is a tough job. It is. I have empathy for them. I don't like when parents in particular who are overbearing and overprotective and think their kids are all Wayne Gretzky or Tom Brady and they get upset. And at the end of the day, have fun because 99% of you are going nowhere and you're going to be working doing something else, right? Just have fun. But threatening officials or uh, talking bad about the yelling at them, just shut up. Drink your Tim Hortons coffee, double-double, whatever you got, triple-triple in the morning, in a freezing cold rink, and watch your kid. And if he doesn't play, we'll have a chat after the game and move on. Okay? Can we do that? So I don't want to land based officials on that. They have a tough job. But you're you're the best in the world, apparently. And you're watching a play in front of you and you need a monitor to tell you what it is, but then the monitor tells you what you saw was wrong, but also the monitor might tell you, uh, no, you're right, but you weren't that right. The fact that they go look up this penalty, they called it spearing to begin with, but then they go to the monitor and then change it to two minutes. So I was right, but I wasn't that right. It was a penalty, but not that much of a penalty. So stupid. Kids is my analogy because kids are stupid. Because they're kids. And they make stupid decisions. And they're dumb. They run around and they're... Ugh, their grossness is everywhere. I mean, I make Howard Stern shaking his boots, seeing all the germs come off those kids. And they just run around bumping into walls and biting things and fighting and whatever the hell else they're doing. That's these bozos. We're going to give you ultimate power with no responsibility because we have this stupid technology that doesn't even work right to back you up. NHL officiating is bad at times. It's not as bad as you might think because that's overblown because one incident kind of becomes more uh, augmented than all the other games. Oh, you remember that game? And if it's one team that's really popular, then it even becomes more of an issue. Like, God forbid, if it happens on a Leaf game, then you know the officiating has got to be the worst of all time. But pretty much, NHL officiating is pretty good. It is. If you, if you don't think that, well, get over yourself. But over here, the world, it's 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 horrible. I don't know if, if these officials from Sweden or Czech or Prague, where the fuck they're coming from, if they haven't got any lessons on it. If they just go to one, if they just don't go to camps, if they don't know officiate, they don't know the rules. Because they act as if they don't. That's spearing. Oh, wait, no, it's slashing. And no, it's not five minutes. No, it's two minutes. Oh, and actually, no, it's not a penalty. In what world can that fucking happen? It can't. 
It's just stupid. And that's at the World Junior Hockey Championships in an important tournament. The biggest moment for most of these kids they'll ever have in Switzerland to me today. They get called for that slashing penalty. They kill it off. We go to overtime and they call a hooking penalty on their best defenseman, which Mike Johnson, who does an okay job, he's a good well, he's not calling a certain team. He's great. <laughs> and I'll deduce, you can deduce what uh, team I'm talking about. But primarily, he's very good at calling games. He said it's a penalty. I don't know if it was a penalty. Is it a hook if you got one hand on your stick? Can you really get a hold of somebody with one hand on your stick with a hook? I don't know. You the Rocky Balboa? You the Rock? Arnold Schwarzenegger, you only lift him with the right hand? I don't think you can hook somebody with only one hand on the stick, but hey, that's just me. I wouldn't have called that penalty. Sweden goes on the power play for the second time in five minutes. And Axel Sandin Pelica, one of my favorites, gets the overtime winner. And Sweden advances to the semifinal on home ice, avoiding one of the worst losses in Swedish hockey history. Which is not hyperbole, because if you're going to lose to Switzerland, who are not good on home ice, at the World Juniors, that that's tough. It doesn't get much worse than that. So Sweden escapes. They have played two really poor games in a row, against Finland and a game against Switzerland. They still have great goaltending, I love their defensive core. They can make things happen. They have to score more dirty goals than highlight reel, for sure. Traffic in front, screens, tips, deflections, whatever you have to do to put the puck in the back of that. They're not afraid to shoot the puck, which I give them credit for. To me, they're still as talented as any team left, including the United States. But they need to put it all together. Sweden will play Czechia. They met in the semifinal last year in Halifax. So Czechia is just getting every... Czechia got the opportunity to get revenge against Canada today. Sweden gets the opportunity to get revenge against Czechia on Thursday. It was overtime in Halifax, and David Juracek got the game winner. Surprise to me, Sweden and Czechia will be the first game... On Thursday, it's the first semifinal. That's a 10 a.m. puck drop in Gothenburg. Sweden had played every game thus far, the, the, the latest game, kind of prime time in Sweden, but they're going to go on first. I guess what they're doing is they're hoping, you know, you play first, you get a longer rest if you win because it's games Thursdays, game Friday, back-to-back for the for the gold medal and bronze medal games. So hope to win, get the rest, and await the winner of the of the other semifinal. I like both goalies. I think Czechia's biggest thing they had going for them in the tournament last year was their defense. They didn't have any comeback. Where you look at Pedersen and Lindstein and Axel Sandin Pelika for Sweden, 
that's kind of their team. That's what they're built on, and a great goalie. I think Czechia, I will say for Czechia, they got to look at the blueprint of what Switzerland did, what Finland did for large parts of their final preliminary round game, and play that game. Four check hard, be in, limit scoring chances, cut off the ice, and they got a chance. I mean, they beat Canada today. They took the United States to the gimmick in the round robin. So they've been up against the toughest competition in the tournament thus far, and they've done pretty well. Beat Canada and get a point off the United States. There'll be no podcast tomorrow, so next time I'm on, we'll react to the games after Thursday. My initial feel here is you got Sweden on home ice. They avoided a scare. But they always seem to let people down. If they play the way they did the last 40 minutes against Czechia, they're not going to win that game because Czechia is a better team than Switzerland. Czechia got to the gold medal game last year and lost. I think they're going to get back to the gold medal game again. Their incredible run continues. They get to the gold medal game for the second time in as many years. I got Czechia upsetting Sweden uh, Thursday morning. There's first prediction. The other two semifinals on the other half. We'll go to the United States first in the only blowout of the day. United States gets to play Latvia. 7-2 game. Latvia hung in there. They played hard. U.S. kind of went through the game like they knew they were going to win. What I'll say about the United States is, you know, on the broadcast, we're talking about competition throughout the lineups. You know, Jimmy Snuggerud, who had a great start, is now playing on the fourth line. And Cutter Goche's kind of got his minutes cut down. Gavin Brindley isn't getting as much. You look around and I think it's kind of weird in the United States because they have all this talent, and yet it doesn't feel completely connected. I don't know if they're comfortable in their netminder. I love parts of their team. The you know United States National Development Program line of Will Smith, Leonard, and Gabe Perot is the team's best line. It was awesome for them today. They did everything for that team. But I looked around today. I thought Perot was great. I thought Leonard was very good. Will Smith. Seamus Casey on the back end. I think Seamus Casey and Lane Hudson are such values to have because they can move the puck up the ice so quick. They make great passes, spread the ice, create open lanes. But Latvia hung in there. They played tough this afternoon. They didn't back down. The U.S. didn't create, you know, they scored seven goals, but it didn't feel like a 7-2 game, I'll tell you that. I never thought they were going to lose the game, but it didn't feel like a blowout. I thought Latvia played well. They hung in there. They had a good fight. They had good energy till the end. They were playing physically and chippy with the United States until the last whistle. So credit to them for hanging in there and playing with that much resolve. 
knowing that they had an uphill battle going in. It was it was 2-1 at one point in the first period. I think the United States are arrogant. I think they know they're really talented. And seeing Canada go out, I think, will only augment that arrogance. Will only make them feel better about themselves and make them feel better about their chances of going home with a gold medal. So I'm a little concerned about that. They play laissez-faire. They take a lot of chances. They don't cover for one another. When defensemen jump in, they give up odd man rushes. Well, you can do that against Latvia, but you do that against better teams, you're going to get burned for it. Which they nearly did against Czechia, where they, you know, they won the game, but in a gimmick. I don't see it going to a gimmick if they play again. They are the most talented team left, no doubt about it. But I think they leave themselves vulnerable a lot where they don't have that killer instinct and they play like it's, you know, pawn hockey and they're going to be able to overcome. They have so far. I don't like their style going into the back end of this. First semifinal of the day was Finland-Slovakia. Awesome game. Another upset. I got this one. I thought Finland would beat Slovakia, which they did. It went to overtime. Third period was just crazy. Hamanho makes a 2-1 early in the third. Then you get Dalibar Dvorsky, who gets the puck in front of the net, wax at home, top shelf, we're tied. Minute 34, Hellenius, the, ninth, uh, the 17-year-old, beats Strebeck off the puck, a, a defenseman I really like for the Czechs, beats him off the puck, passes to Kasamaki, who rips it home, makes it 3-2 Finland. Less than a minute later, you got craziness. Philip Meshar ties it with a shot from the point. Beat goes through all the bodies. 43 seconds, we're tied up. We're going to overtime. Throughout this, there were chances back and forth. You're, you're thinking, okay, maybe they can ha- um, they can make it go. Finland had a 1-0 lead. They had a 2-1 lead. They had a 3-2 lead. So every time that Finland scored, Slovakia had an answer. But then we get to overtime, and it didn't take long. 24 seconds, Lasala, the Finnish captain, goes nearly pretty much end-to-end, splits the defense. Slovakia's in a horrible situation. He beats Adam uh, Gahan, passes right pads, stuffs it in. Finland, who started the tournament 0-2, defeats Slovakia, and they are moving on to the semifinal a place they did not reach last year in the World Junior Hockey Championships. A team that was not as talented as Slovakia. This is a, that's a heartbreaker for Slovakia. The way Petrovsky was playing and Meshar and Dalibar Dvorsky and their goaltender, they had so many returning players. I think they at least expected to play for a medal and they don't do it. They'll have a good team coming back again next year, but this is a missed missed opportunity against a Finnish team that is very beatable. But Finland kind of found a formula against Sweden. Physical game. 
kind of white knuckling, mean Yanni Newman kind of created it when he told the Swedish crowd to shut up after he got the gimmick winner. And then in the handshake line, with there was a lot of animosity. This team's got a chip on their shoulder. They're playing like they have nothing to lose, looking to hurt people along the way, crush some dreams, which they did today. So you get United States, Finland, Sweden, Czechia. Neither These teams haven't played one another, so they are fresh matchups, which is nice. And if I'm thinking about this, unless Finland, you might you get it with Czechia and U.S., you could eventually get it with Sweden and Finland, but you could get fresh matchups in the gold medal game as well. United States are a better team than Finland all around. More talent. I don't know about a better goalie, but more talent for sure. They have game breakers. They're the most talented team in the tournament. Someone, it's, Finland shouldn't win this game. But they're playing just a a physical style, gritty, mean, in your, I like it. I like the way they're playing. They don't care. They're going through it. They're the most hated team in Sweden. The most bitter rival. And they're owning the heel look. They were the heels again today. Nobody was rooting for Finland to win that game against Slovakia, but they did. And they keep finding ways, and they're they're physical, and they throw late hits. I like it. Their best chance is to go in against the United States and just beat them up. Throw it. If you have to take a penalty early to kind of send a message and make the United States think about things, do it. Take one. Don't take five, but you can take one and hope to kill it off. I'm going to predict two upsets. I think Czechia beats Sweden for the second straight year, and I believe the Finns are going to beat the United States as well. The two favorites going into the tournament, Sweden and the United States, will both lose in the semifinal and have to play for bronze, as they did last year in Halifax. It's a crazy run because Czechia lost to Slovakia. Finland loses to Germany, and they also lost to Canada. They're 0-2 to start the tournament, and they're one of the four teams remaining. Canada's eliminated. They lost to Germany. Germany has to win a game Thursday morning to avoid relegation. That's how crazy things can change. They got hot at the right moment. They, They get in. They get the right quarterfinal matchup. And they win a big game against Slovakia. Holtonen, Humato, Yanni Newman, the better, the best players for Finland. They have to be good. But look at the goal, Kako, the goaltender. They need to play that physical game, limit the ice, and frustrate the Americans. Because the Americans will take stupid penalties and they'll play more and more loose, which plays into the hands of Finland. 
I expect both games to be one-goal games, and I'm predicting Finland to beat the United States Thursday afternoon, and I'm predicting Czechia to beat Sweden Thursday morning. It'd be a crazy final. Maybe both chalk picks will win, but the way the teams are playing going into these semifinal matchups, I have more trust in Czechia and Finland to get it done. It's just a weird year. It's a weird tournament. Czechia scores a goal with a goal with 11 seconds left in a period. They get that break. Finland scores a goal with 24 seconds gone into overtime against a faster, more skilled team in Slovakia. That shouldn't happen, but it did. Today's hockey was fantastic. Other than the stupid officials that I had to go off on, there were three awesome games in the U.S. Latvia game that was better than I expected it to be. Yes, it's in Sweden. And I wish the ranks were more full. That's depressing. And it was on better time. So when you're at work, you don't have to bring your, compo- your computer and multitask. That would be ideal. They're on at nighttime, but they're not. And you just kind of, you, you got to enjoy it for what it is. I love the tournament because it's great hockey and it's, it's once a year. I enjoyed the Spangler Cup last week. I got my mom watching the Spangler Cup. I was proud about that. She was into it. Congratulations to H.C. Davos on winning on home soil in the 100th Spangler Cup. we got four games left, two semifinals, a bronze medal Friday morning, and the gold medal game Friday afternoon. It's a quick tournament. But it's tough on Canada, but it happens. And you know what? The games the games are on early in the morning, early afternoon. At least you can watch the Leaf game tonight. Oh, wait, they played 11.30. <laughs> Sorry. I had to do it. I mean, Senators fans, too. I mean, you play at 11, you know, all you Sens fans out there. At least you can primetime watch. Oh, wait, they're playing at Baker. Ah, I'm sorry. Had to do it. Had to do it. It just, it's just, it's so easy. 11.30 puck drop tonight, Leafs-Kings. Imagine a lot of dire Leaf fans are staying up for that one, huh? Anybody in? Staying up, 11.30, puck drop. Invested. Bueller, Bueller. Martin Jones, Cam Talbot, that, wow, Sounds like the 2008 NHL All-Star game in between the pipes and that, that net-mining matchup. We'll see you get Capitals-Penguins tonight in the NHL. Two teams that won't die. Two teams that won't go away. Sitting right now, Capitals are a point out of the final wildcard spot, but they have four games in hand on Tampa Bay, two on the New York Islanders. Pittsburgh also has the same number of points, but they played one more game than the Capitals. So in the same position, two older teams trying to figure out what they are. Both teams are good records, quite frankly. 
Pittsburgh does have one more win than Washington. But what, Pittsburgh has won a couple games in a row. They beat the Islanders twice last week. Capitals have had a co- tough couple games since coming back from the Christmas break, but they they had a great start to the season. Ovi's found the net a couple. He should have had two goals on Saturday, but one called back because of video review. Fuck off. But I'm curious about this game because it's two legends, two teams that are still in it. You get Capitals, Penguins, and you also get Hurricanes and Rangers tonight at the top of the Metropolitan Division. Rangers lead the NHL in points. After 35 games with 25 wins, which is also tops in the league. By two games, by the way, which is an impressive feat from the Rangers. They do not have 10 regulation losses after 35 games. Artemi Panarin, who I will never be a fan of, but I will point out when he's playing well, has 23 goals in 35 games. Not too shabby. Right there with Austin Matthews and Kucherov and... Brock Besser, who slowed down. We have Panarin, Sam Reinhart with 23. Brock Besser, 24. Nikita Kucherov, who second in NHL in goals, first in points. You also got Nathan McKinnon, who's only three back. He's been fantastic. Panarin has 50. Pasternak, my boy, with 50. On the Red Hot Bruins. And McDavid creeping up with 48. Somehow tied for fifth after the way Edmonton started to the season, which is pretty incredible. And Edmonton goes to California. They win all three games. They're back on the ice tonight against the Philadelphia Flyers, who have been out west for seemingly two weeks now. There's some interesting. I think the Leafs game's fun tonight. I think Panthers Coyotes is an underrated game because Coyotes are good. Whether people know it or not, they're a good team. Panthers are good. I wouldn't want to play them come playoff time. I've said that many. Let them get in. They're tough out. Senators have been on a run since Jacques Martin got behind the bench. They make their shakeups in the front office, so they're looking to build a momentum. Canucks have obviously, they haven't slowed down. So you have that. Islanders, Avalanche, I mean, Avalanche kind of fly under the radar because they're in that middle ground where they don't play early, but they don't play late. They're right in the middle. If you start at 9 o'clock or 9.30, it's kind of the worst because people on the East Coast are going to watch the 8 o'clock game because it's the start of that game. And people on the West Coast are waiting to watch the Kings or watch maybe Chicago as their preferred team, even though Chicago stinks. They want to see Bedard. So Colorado kind of flies under the radar. And as a team, they've had a decent start to this. I wouldn't say it's been great. You know, they're ahead of Winnipeg, but Winnipeg has two games in hand. The Winnipeg Jets, Dallas Stars, both have been more consistent, one would argue, than Colorado. But I'm just going total season thus far. Matthews has been great. He's obviously he's got 29 goals. Uh, you know, Kucherov's been great on Tampa Bay. Thinking what he's doing at his age and all the hockey he's played more than all these other guys that he's in the point race with, including McKinnon. 
to me, the best player through 35 games and the MVP of the league for me it would be Nathan McKinnon. He's playing with a tenacity. He's playing with a purpose. That is pretty rare. He has 13 more points than the next highest point getter on his team, which is Miko Randon. He's turned around Valerie Nikushkin's career. Valerie Nikushkin has 17 goals in 35 games. Also 36 points. He's at a point-per-game pace, Valerie Nikushkin, after being sent home in the playoffs last year for doing I don't know what. If we look around the rest, Ross Colton hasn't been very productive. He's only got eight goals after 35 games. Jonathan Drouin has five after 35. Johansson's been okay. Uh, Ross Colton, I mentioned Ross Colton. Going through Miles Wood has six. Cogliano, three. Arturi Lekkinen has only played 12 games, but he's only got three goals. So he doesn't have a whole lot of help around him. A team that high, has high expectations, that is looked at as being a Stanley Cup contender, a team I picked to win the Stanley Cup before the start of the year. They're going to need help. They're going to win. They miss Gabriel Anderskog. Oddly enough, they miss Samuel Gerrard in the regular season because he's a great regular season defenseman. Come playoffs, he can take a hike. But those minutes, fast-paced regular season, he brings value. So, but for them to be 23-11-3, I view that as a Nathan McKinnon feat. view that as him just taking over the league, being that bully, being the best player in the league. And they play a good defensive team tonight in the New York Islanders, and I'm curious to see how that matchup goes. Kale McCarr playing Noah Dobson. Two of the best defensemen all season long. Noah Dobson is a point off of leading his team in scoring as a defenseman. Pretty incredible. Same amount of points as Bo Horvat. One point off of Matthew Barzell. <laughs> I mean... He's been as good as anybody. Kale McCarr's got 41 points. I think Dobson has 35 so far this year. So both guys have been extremely productive. Blackhawks, Predators, Minnesota, Minnesota, Calgary. Interesting game. Phil Augustus out a couple weeks. Kapil Kaprizov's out a couple weeks for Minnesota. Do they completely crater? Can they keep it above water? Can they keep their team afloat with all these injuries? I'm concerned because they were start. They, you fire the coach. You're starting to make you know kind of make a turnaround. You play Winnipeg twice in a weekend. Two extremely physical games. You lose them both, and you lose your starting goaltender and your best player. That's a tough weekend where you really have no margin for error. Even though in a Western Conference that is not set. You don't have margin for error, and you need to find ways to make it work. And I don't know if they can overcome it. Calgary's in that same position where they win a game here and there, and you're back in the mix, and then you're two points out, and then you lose three in a row, and then you're like, okay, well, where the hell are we really? Talked about Calgary yesterday where I think they're a perfect trade partner with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't know if they want to do business with Toronto. If there's Harsh feelings between Conroy and Tree Living or just ownership not wanting to do a deal with Toronto. 
If there is, that's petulant. If Toronto's willing to give you the best deal, take the deal. If they're offering you peanuts, then tell them to take a hike. To me, Calgary is a perfect seller team. They know saying you're competitive down the stretch is fool's gold. It's wrong. It's it's a false narrative to try to sell tickets and get people to buy in for next season or seasons to come, which most fans, most, maybe the fans without kids probably uh, are, are smarter than the, than the fans with kids. I have no basis for that comment, no uh, set in stone, but I, I, I think I think it's true. Just based off my life experience, my 25 years on planet Earth. But nothing big happened in the NHL today before we move off of hockey. Please, Sansonoff was sent down. Connor Bedard earned second straight Rookie of the Month honor. Not surprising there. Um, no, just a lot of, just a lot of, a lot of good games tonight. A lot of, a lot of teams in action. Seattle won the outdoor game. Joey Decord, second career shutout. Good story for him. Good story for Seattle. Looked like it was a sold out crowd. Looked like a great environment. I didn't watch most of the game because I was watching college football. But I'm sure it was a – I mean, they, they do great things for the NHL. They sell out – they sell a ton of tickets. They sell merchandise, this, that, and the third. I mean, it's, it's great for them. And also the PWHL kicked off yesterday. I, I have to admit this on the air. My father texted me last night in a a joke text because he knew what my answer was going to be before he said it. But it was a good good text from him. He said, "What did he? I'm going to pull it up. It's a good it's a good little text. It's funny." Happy New Year! I suppose you're watching the girls' game. LOL. So. I forgot that the PW Professional Women's Hockey League was commencing. Yes, I, I forgot. I'm going to be honest. Wasn't top of mind. I was glad to see that it was sold out in Toronto. I thought that was great. I think Billie Jean King dropping the puck, that was a great decision. Whoever came up with that idea, 10 out of 10, golf clap from me. She's a trailblazer. She's fan- That's the perfect person to bring in. So two wins. I think the jerseys are fucking horrendous. I haven't seen them all yet, but just watching the two games yesterday, they look awful. So that wasn't good. I watched nothing of the game, so I can't speak on if the hockey's good. I hope it was. I'm going to try to watch. Again, women's hockey is not my favorite. I've watched more of it because of my sister. And I appreciate it more than I did. So I watched my sister more in the last couple of years. And I, I, I've i said this to her. I've said this to my family. I should have watched her more growing up. 
when she stopped playing with boys, I wasn't as interested in going. And that was petulant of me because I should have just wanted to watch her play. But I didn't, and I can't go back. But I did watch her quite a bit at UMB. And I went, you know, watched her in the United States a number of times as well. I hope this league's successful. They have partners. They got a TV deal with TSN. Check. You're getting sponsors. Salary. You're selling out whatever is 4,000, 5,000 seat arena. Awesome. You have team captains, all this stuff. I know there's games tonight. I believe Minnesota. Don't know. Minnesota and somebody are playing tonight. <laughs> Might be Boston, I think. No, Boston's playing Minnesota Minnesota on Wednesdays. I was wrong again. I'm going to get better at this. It's, again, I, for, I forgot, and I should have. Here's the schedule. I have it now. It's on TSN. Ah, I have it now. Here we go. Let's tonight, Montreal at Ottawa, TSN 1, 4, and 5. There you go. Free ad. Montreal and Ottawa. I believe Hillary Knight's the captain of Boston. I know that. Other than that, I don't know a whole lot. But I'm happy it's going. I want it to be successful. This has been a long time coming where there needs to be one female league and you need to make it work. In North America, at the very least, we want to play overseas and have 100 leagues like like uh, the men's leagues do where there's leagues in Switzerland, there's leagues in Sweden. Have at it. And women can go play pro like my you know my sister did. That That's a great option to have. But the best players... Available to play in North America, playing in large markets. Minnesota, great hockey market. Toronto, great hockey market. Ottawa, not really. Boston, great hockey market. But, hey, and you got team captains, and you're going to be on TSN. And I think another important thing, have person – like I saw it was an interview with two, two women from Toronto, the Toronto team. They did a fun interview, and they joked, and they were honest, and it wasn't pulling teeth to get an answer, to get something interesting said. That's another thing with this league, to be successful. Half the reason why Caitlin Clark's been so great at Iowa, so great for women's female basketball, is because she has a personality. She's not afraid to be herself, not afraid to give a good quote. And I think for the PWHL, somebody needs to kind of be that person Multiple would be great. The product has to be good, but you also need to sell. Early on, that's what you need to do. You need to sell the product, but it's also through the players. Because it's a new league. If if you're watching, are you just gonna if you're if you don't have a team in your city, if you're from Edmonton, because I don't think there's a team in Edmonton, who are you rooting for in this league? Well, you're probably not going to root for Toronto because you probably hate Toronto, right? Why would you root for New York? You have no connection there. So you need to find somebody. You need to find players that are going to draw people from other cities 
to that respective team to go, you know what, I love Hillary Knight or I love Marie Poulet, whoever it is. Players, I don't even friggin' know because I don't even know who's in the league. I, I know five players. But this is even a challenge for me. Draw me in because I don't think that the sales pitch should be watch our product because it's the women's game and we want to grow it. That that doesn't work on me. Asking, you know, trying to bait me in or trying to say, oh, please do this. That never worked. You got to have merit. You got to have, you got to have something to pull me in. There's got to be a reason for me to want to go, okay, I want to watch this. Just to go, oh, well, the women's game's on. Eh, that's that doesn't doesn't do it for me. That might do it for you know, for <laughs> the Democrats might watch. Maybe the, they're the they're the target audience. Women are playing. We have to support it. Okay, you'll get that audience. And if they don't watch, they're hypocrites. We can call them out. So it's a win win either way. But there's got to be a reason for me to want to go to get to the television to go. I have finite time. I watch a ton of sports. I'm going to not watch this and instead watch the PWHL. Because there's there's only so many minutes in the day. There's only so much fan width that people have. Not bandwidth, fan width. Where you're only, you can only be so many, a fan of so many teams. If you like football, you like basketball, you like hockey, you like tennis. Holy shit, how am I going to pick who I'm watching? And you you pick with, okay, who do I like the most? What's the most intriguing story? What's the best game? And just going, well, Minnesota's playing Boston, and it's the fourth game in the history of the league. Okay, that might be a seller for opening night. But are people going to come back when they're, you know, when Toronto's not playing West Coast? When the puck drop in Toronto's not at 10.30 p.m., well, then people are probably going, you know what? <laughs> I'm watching the Leaf game. Or in Boston, they're probably going, I'm watching the Bruins on the road in Detroit. So just something to think about. It's on me for not knowing the league was starting yesterday. New Year's Day. Not a, not a bad, I like a lot of what they did. Sponsors, TDV, TV deal, Billy Jean King dropping the puck, jerseys, they look like they took five minutes to put them together. So X on that. But the first three, awesome. Awesome. And they have salaries. Awesome. Sold out. Awesome. But continuing this, continuing to get asses and seats, continuing to build the product, build a brand, more sponsors, bigger TV deal, more money. You have there has to be stars, there has to be momentum, there has to be intrigue. And that's on the product, but it's also on the people in the sport to provide that. To provide that momentum, to provide interest in their personality and who they are. And even if they're even if they're a heel, even if they're a villain, show it. Because people will buy in. I think that's what's on the PWHL going forward to be successful. Just having it, this is on tonight, 
and it's the women's game, I don't think that's going to do it for most people. It's not going to do it for me. Because there's enough stuff that I watch that I'm not just going to go out of my way to watch it. Sorry. But congratulations on opening day. College football playoff last night. I got both games wrong, of course. Both were fantastic. Classics for different reasons. Michigan, Alabama, game of adjustments. Looked like J.J. McCarthy threw an interception in the first play, but Alabama defender decides to jump before he catches the ball, and then he's out of – I don't know what the hell he was doing. Stupid. Michigan, uh, Alabama only had 70 yards of total offense in the first half. Dylan Milrow was sacked five times. Something else. And yet Michigan wasn't doing anything either. Trying flea flickers, trying to throw the ball down the field. J.J. McCarthy behind guys, stupid decisions, horrible on special teams. Third quarter, all Alabama, they control the ball. They're great with their punter is putting Michigan in, in bad situations. And eventually Alabama takes the lead. And they have a seven-point lead with a little over two minutes left. Michigan gets the ball, drives down the field. J.J. McCarthy's best drive of the game made an incredible throw to Roman Wilson where Dallas Turner got his hand on the football of Alabama. It fluttered in the air, but Roman Wilson made the catch, changed the game. And then two plays later, J.J. McCarthy hit Roman Wilson for the touchdown and the extra point, which they missed earlier, to tie the game. So it gave Alabama about a minute 34, one timeout, to try to get a field goal to win the game. Will Reichert had made two field goals of over 50 yards in the game, so he was money. But Alabama's offense was bad all day. They didn't make that many adjustments. You had Alabama's defense that couldn't handle motion from the offense of Michigan. Whenever Michigan should have done it the whole day, but they didn't. Jalen Milrow, horrible fumble. On that drive, he got sacked twice. A bad snap by the center. He had about four in the game. And they went no, they picked up one first down and went nowhere fast. And they had to punt the football and they go into overtime. And on two plays, Michigan scored a touchdown, Blake Corum, with now the most touchdowns in Michigan history and the most touchdowns in a single season in Michigan history. He finished with a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. Alabama gets the ball back. They're, they drive to within. They get to fourth and goal. Milrow, it's a quarterback. It's just a quarterback power. He runs right into a brick wall. Don't know why that's the play call. Don't know why they ran the first two running plays inside the red zone when they got there. Questionable decision all the way around. And Alabama was just 
They weren't coached well. I hated the timeouts by Nick Saban late in the game. And I thought the play calling was bad, and Jim Harbaugh outcoached him, put Michigan in a better position to win the game. And J.J. McCarthy, who I don't think was perfect, I don't think J.J. McCarthy was that good, quite frankly. Yes, he had three touchdowns, no interceptions, but that was a little bit skewed. I'll give him credit. He was great when he had to be. When he had to come up with a play, he did. But Blake Corum is the driving force of that team. He had over 100 total yards, ran for over four yards a carry. He's And, and that front, Michigan's defense with seven sacks. Jalen Milrow only threw for 116 yards, ran 21 times for 63 yards. That's only a three-yard average. So even him keeping the football, he f- a horrible fumble in the fourth quarter, which it didn't cost them, but it, it cost them field position where they could have killed the clock more and, be, and been in a better situation. Michigan's a better team than Alabama. Alabama shouldn't have been there. They shouldn't have beat Georgia. I think Georgia is waking up, shaking their head, kicking themselves, knowing we're better than any of these four teams. We could beat them for the national title today. I 100% believe that. They're certainly better than Alabama, and they are better than Michigan. But Jim Harbaugh, who does not want to talk about his future, got out of the interview as quickly as possible. To his credit, he had his team ready to play, and they finally won. They were 0-6 in their last six bowl games. He had lost his last two times in the playoff. He gets to a national championship game for the first time as a head coach in college football. I think this only further augments the chances of him going to the NFL, of him leaving his alma mater, going to coach the Chargers next season. But he gets an opportunity to leave Michigan on top with a national title with J.J. McCarthy, who we called the best quarterback in Michigan history after the win last night, which is a bit much. Again. But this was just a season for Alabama where they didn't – the fact that they got here is impressive. Jill and Milrow looked a lot more like he did in September than he did playing in December down the stretch and, and November down the stretch. Just looked like an athlete playing quarterback more than a quarterback who was athletic. Didn't make any big throws. They didn't take shots down the field. That was their go-to. Throw deep passes down the field. They didn't try it. They didn't play to his strengths. He ran the football way too much and became predictable. He was sacked seven times. Mission, Mission was just better in the bigger moments. And they advanced to Houston to play for the national title where they will get to play the Washington Huskies, who defeated Texas in a shootout because Michael Penix Jr. is that guy. Michael Penix Jr. threw for 248 in the first half with three touchdowns. He threw for 430 for the game, 29 for 38, no turnovers. 
His deep balls down the field, I mean, he completed a 77, 52-yard, 29-yard pass. Odunze had six for a buck 25. Polk had five for a buck 22. Dylan Johnson, the running back, finished only averaging 2.3 yards a carry, but he had two rushing touchdowns, which is big. They found ways to score points. Michael Penix ran three times for 31 yards. He made every big throw. He was not afraid of the moment. And Quinn Ewers played for a half. Michael Penix Jr. played for four. Quinn Ewers, 24-40-3-18, one touchdown. He wasn't great. Both teams had one turnover. Baxter, the running back, fumbled for Texas. They were still in a position down six to win the game. We look at the game. Adonai Mitchell, who did catch a touchdown in the fourth quarter, only had four catches for 32 yards, was a stud all season. Xavier Worthy had two catches for 45. It's just, it's a weird. He had 75 receptions for 1,014 yards, five touchdowns for the season. Mitchell had 55 receptions for 845 yards and 11 touchdowns for the season. Both guys are going to be in the NFL next year. Both guys are NFL players. The receivers last night, Mitchell, Odunze, Polk, Worthy, are going to the NFL. And I think Washington won because they used their strengths more than Texas did. Penix had enough time to throw the ball. He had enough time to read the defense, and Texas could do nothing about it. Sark had no answer. Texas had the team, and I think they'll look back and go, damn it. What I will say for them is they have they have Quinn Ewers coming back for another season. They can use him. He knows what it's like. He'll be very motivated to be a top pick in the draft. So... I think they have options. I think they'll be a great team again next year. They're moving to the SEC. So that's a big shift for them. They'll play Alabama. They'll be in there with Georgia next year. So it's a move. It's a different set of circumstances, certainly, for Texas. I think they're going to regret this game and look back on it and go, damn it, we should have won it. But Michael Penix was the runner-up for the Heisman for a reason. He easily could have won it. Transfer quarterback out of Indiana. He goes to Washington. And him and Kalen DeBoer turn it into a program. Turn it into a juggernaut. And I think with his help, that helped Washington get to the Big Ten. When when all these conferences are blowing up, the Pac-12 is being destroyed. I don't know if Washington's included, if they don't have their last couple of seasons where they have one loss over the last two years because of Michael Penix Jr. and a great head coach. So in the end, you get the two undefeateds, Michigan 13-0, Washington 13-0, battling out in Houston next Monday, 8.30, better than the 10 o'clock kickoff, for the national championship. And as it sits right now, uh, Michigan is a four-point favorite, but Washington was an underdog against Oregon. 
Washington was an underdog against Texas. They'll look to win their third straight game as an underdog, winning the game outright and winning only the second national championship in school history. We'll talk more about it as we get closer to the game. But two awesome games last night. It delivered college football just like the World Juniors did today. It's been a lot of young guys playing sports over the last 48 hours for me, and it's been a really, really great product to watch. So only one more college football game left in the season. Only one more NFL week, which is sad. And then we get to the playoffs. We won't have football in a little over a month from now after the Super Bowl, which tough pill to swallow, obviously. All right. Well, tonight we got some NHL. We're going to talk about NHL because we're only back Thursday. So we're going to recap the junior games. We're going to talk some NHL. Uh, we'll start talk. We'll talk about NFL storylines. There's a story going on about Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph, which is kind of juicy, that I will get into over the next little while. So stay tuned for that. That'll be Thursday. Anything else that comes up? Also starting Thursday, Century Tournament of Champions Golf is back on Thursday. The golf season is back. Obviously, John Rahm will not be playing in that event. The PGA and Live Tour did not come to an agreement, so there's no merger yet. But the PGA Tour returns with the Century Tournament of Champions in Hawaii Thursday. So we also have that to look forward to this coming weekend. Corey Connors in the field uh, as the, the Canadian who won last year on tour. So that's it for today. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Appreciate the continued support and everything that you guys do for To The Point. Until next time, take care. This is To The Point.